It's where you go to bike, hike, and stroll miles of pathways over more than 7,000 acres of parkland. A place to go explore rivers and fish their bountiful waters. Natural places to go marvel at magnificent wildlife while you play outdoors and go wander charming communities. Find all this and more at Destination Downriver. Give it a go. Today's podcast is presented by MarketInsights.us with the podcast on YouTube produced by the City of Taylor's Media Center. Thank you for the generous support of our community sponsor. When your destination is beyond Downriver, let Martinson Family of Funeral Homes help you and your family. With locations in Trenton, Allen Park, Maybe, Rockwood, and Monroe, their staff is available 24-7 at 734-671-5400. For more information, visit martinson.com. Thank you to our team sponsor, Allegra Marketing Print and Design. Let Allegra assist you with your print, mail, design, and signs. Located in Wyandotte and call 734-288-8994. Welcome to the June Destination Downriver Vodcast. I'm your host, Carl Zymack. Today we'll be discussing the convergence between community health care and prosperity. Our experience coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated that health plays an increasingly important role in the economy. Healthier communities bounce back faster than unhealthier ones because they have faster job population and income growth. This is particularly important for areas still focused on recovering from the economic shocks such as the pandemic or even industrial transitions like the Downriver region has experienced. Decades of research have linked health and the economy. Healthy communities equal a healthy economy. A recent Blue Cross Blue Shield Health Index shows that healthier counties around the country have a higher capital income, average annual pay, GDP per capita, and lower unemployment. Downriver leaders are recognizing the connection between economic and resident health. The impetus is clear. Health is not only just a matter of access to medical care, though prevention and treatment are factors in good health, but also a function of the broader environment that affects residents. In this episode of our Destination Downriver podcast, we'll explore why a healthier community equals a strong local economy with Downriver YMCA Executive Director Jeff McIntyre and Ran O'Leary, President of Henry Ford Wyandotte Hospital. Welcome back to Destination Downriver, our June edition here with uh, Jeff McIntyre, Executive Director of the Downriver Family YMCA, Rand O'Leary, President of Henry Ford Wyandotte Hospital. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you first, Jeff. Uh, you've been a lifelong Downriver resident. Uh, you've spent the last 18 years with the Y here uh, Downriver. Uh, you've been an executive director since 2016. Under your leadership uh, at the Y, it's continued to provide quality programs and services to communities throughout the region. Uh, Jeff's team places a heavy emphasis on community partnerships that extend their organization's reach. Their most recent uh, partnerships have resulted in uh, 
providing programs such as uh, video production for teens and summer camp options for kids impacted by cognitive disabilities. That's, uh, you got a lot going on. Yeah, today's the first day of summer camp. Yes, so. you mentioned that to <laughs> me before before we came on. Uh, congratulations Thank for you. having all those kids at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. I hear you. Uh, Rand yeah. is an accomplished healthcare executive with over 25 years of experience within complex and matrixed organizations, uh, including large integrated health systems, community and academic organizations. That in and of itself is a mouthful. <laughs> Rand, you've been, you've been all over the place and you yeah. were telling me uh, uh, that uh, your kids are, are working in Dearborn at the Dearborn Public Schools and you're really, uh, yeah. you're really glad to be back in Wyandotte now. Yes, thank you for having me and yes, it's very, uh, I'm very happy to be back in Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a daughter and uh, a son-in-law mm -hmm. uh, who both work and teach in Dearborn and uh, recently welcomed our sixth grandchild, which was born at Henry Ford Wyandotte. So we're happy to be home. The only way it had to happen, right? It, sometimes it's, it happens <laughs> that way, yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's get into our, our discussion here. Jeff, I'm gonna start with you. Your organization has been uh, in operation since 1941, but has never been as multifaceted as it is today. Uh, you've, you're based in Southgate, but you serve the entire region, very large region down here, downriver. Can you tell us about your uh, regional footprint with the Downriver Y? Absolutely. Okay. So for, for us, we've, as you mentioned, we've been in uh, business downriver since 1941. Mm -hmm. So we started over in Wyandotte, so over where, where Rand's mm -hmm. place is there. A mm -hmm. um, lot of great years there, and then obviously for the past 20 years uh, here in Southgate. Mm -hmm. uh, so during that time, obviously, a lot of our membership and, and reach would really be Southgate and Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. So we've made a concerted effort this year to really reach out into different communities. So we're actually going to multiple communities this year. We hope to hit all 18 downriver communities mm -hmm. and meet with all the administration and find out where those gaps are, or maybe we can bring program to some of the different cities mm -hmm. that maybe have challenges in getting to the Y. So we really wanna be the downriver's YMCA, and, and that's really who we are. What are you seeing as far as gaps go so far? I know it's, I know embryo process here, walking through all these communities. Absolutely, we, mm -hmm. we've met with about seven communities to date. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of different things, to be honest with you. Some of the similar is access to pools, water mm -hmm. therapy. There's not a lot of pools downriver uh, currently. Uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, especially some of the communities further north, further south, transportation is an issue mm -hmm. in getting to the YMCA. So a lot of budgets have been cut over the years as well. Um, you, you talk to different city, man, city managers, administrators, and they're telling us the same things. You know, We all struggled with COVID. COVID happened, it's a thing, it's still a thing today, mm -hmm. um, as I'm sure Rand and his team will, will, will tell you. Right. But for, for us, you know, getting past COVID and, and seeing what we can do now, you know, as opposed to pre-COVID, mm -hmm. uh, has been very huge for us. And we're seeing that these cities are also in a recovery mode. So for them, they may not have the, the resources to offer some programs that they would like to offer mm -hmm. uh, for their residents and for their community. So that's where maybe we can come in as a YMCA to where we can bring those programs to them. Rand, uh, while healthcare and access to it have long been recognized as, as, uh, as a key aspect in economic success, mm -hmm. uh, investment decisions around healthcare have often been evaluated purely through the cost factors. Right. Uh, they really haven't been looked at it as an investment with an economic return. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we go about making health a part of the economic growth discussions in our communities? Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, I think the, the pandemic taught us a lot of lessons, and I agree, it, it certainly is not behind us at this mm -hmm. point. I mean, COVID is still very much a part of uh, our lives and everything that uh, we're doing. Uh, we hope we're doing the right things to keep uh, COVID uh, in check and that it doesn't become a national issue again. Um, but I think COVID taught us a lot of things about our healthcare system. Number one, um, the hospital, in this case, Henry Ford Wyandotte in Brownstown, is a major economic engine for the community. We have 2,300 employees. We have over 600 uh, physicians on our medical staff. We service literally thousands and thousands of patients every year, either through the hospital or our outpatient facilities or our surgical services program or our emergency rooms. So these are all folks that live in the Downriver community. They uh, live here, they work here, they contribute. Uh, to the community, all of our employees contribute to the community. So there's an economic calculation there that healthcare puts back into the community, in this case, the, the Downriver area. Um, so I think we learned through the pandemic, uh, not that we ever took for granted uh, what we have for healthcare services downriver, but more than ever it became, uh, the, I guess the importance of that became uh, relatively clear. You know, we had a pandemic. You know, we have to remember 2019, you know, COVID was new. It was something that was overseas, probably wasn't going to come over here in any great numbers. Uh, there was no vaccine. Uh, there wasn't uh, a good understanding of even how to prepare for a pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so when the pandemic, you know, really in early 2020 uh, moved into the United States, we really learned the value of what it means to have a good, solid local healthcare system that's integrated into another larger system like the Henry Ford Health System. I really don't know where we would have been uh, as, a, as a country if we did not have our healthcare systems at the ready to hospitalize those patients, to care for them, to communicate information to the community, to distribute the vaccine once it became available. Because remember early on there was no vaccine. We didn't understand even how the virus was transmitted from person to person. There was a lot of fear in the community and where did they go for their information? They went to their health system. They went to their local hospital to help them understand what was happening and more mm -hmm. uh, importantly, how we were gonna respond to it. Mm -hmm. So you can't put dollars on all of those things, but you can certainly underscore the importance of having a robust hospital that's part of an integrated healthcare system in your community. So I like to think that we feel um, much more uh, maybe safe, and we feel uh, fortunate to have Henry Ford Wyandotte and Brownstown in these communities mm -hmm. uh, going forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jeff, institutions like the Y help our region uh, to have an integrated approach to health management. Uh, how does the YMCA help communities find a balance of environmental, behavioral, health, uh, preventative care that work alongside acute treatments treatments uh, from places like Henry Ford Hospital? I think for us, it's, it's a lot about uh, access to mm -hmm. healthy living, healthy lifestyles. Mm -hmm. uh, so for, for us at the Y, we pride ourselves on being a place for all. Mm -hmm. And so how do, we, how do we make that happen? We make that happen through a few different mediums. Uh, one of those is through our Make Every Day Better campaign. Um, Downriver, I'm a lifelong Downriver resident. I know uh, how hardworking the Downriver community is and, and those extra dollars just sometimes just aren't there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking that and, and finding a way to make sure that we can make sure those families can come in and, and enjoy and be healthy 
and you know hopefully not end up in the hospital too often um, you know that's that's the key mm-hmm. so um, bu- breaking down those barriers mm-hmm. and raising the dollars and giving out the scholarship dollars and ensuring that all the families have equal access mm-hmm. to multitude of programs mm-hmm. and we're not talking just kids programs we're talking adult programs mm-hmm. we're talking senior programs uh, we're talking summer day camp which I mentioned just kicked off today sure, for us sure. um, as we record this so uh, for us it's it's mainly about getting people in the doors and realizing how important it is to come and, and enjoy a healthy lifestyle but also do it with your entire family mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's where we like to try to separate ourselves from other quote-unquote gyms mm-hmm. um, one of the big things that, that people a lot of times will, will look at and say well the why is a gym you know it's a community center and, and we have a lot of those facets absolutely mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we really are a place where people can come together and belong. Right. And, uh, you know, we've been doing that for 82 years now downriver. And in southeastern Michigan, we've been doing that for over, when our 171st year now, mm-hmm. doing that in southeastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a place not only in the downriver community, um, which is what we're talking about today, but also in southeastern Michigan, mm-hmm. and, and being that beacon and, and, you know, obviously the why is an organization, um, great reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, we work very hard at that mm-hmm. and we make sure that families understand that, you know, this is a place that you can come and you can be healthy and you can establish those habits. Um, so that way, you know, when, when time does come, when maybe you do have to visit the doctor, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get a better checkup from your doctor. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> you know, during the pandemic, so many people, uh, there were certain amounts of eye openers when it came to things that you didn't think of before. A lot of people were so cooped up and mm-hmm. they wanted to do anything. They, you know, people who complained about the weather in Michigan, it's too cold, it's too this, it's too that. All of a sudden it wasn't too cold and you'd eat outside in the wintertime and things Absolutely. like that. <laughs> Did you see an influx after the pandemic loosened up in places like the Y, people coming back out and wanting to get involved? You know, uh, for us, uh, we were one of the, the first local organizations down river to start to run certain programs, mm-hmm. like uh, youth sports is one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did see that there was a thirst and, and people did want to get out and they mm-hmm. did want to reconvene and uh, they did want to be healthy. At the height of the pandemic, um, a lot of businesses suffered. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to the YMCA, we lost 60% of our membership mm-hmm. uh, when the, at the height of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And obviously people were scared, people um, were, were staying home and health, you know, health wasn't necessarily at the top of the, I know the pandemic was, was a health thing, we're sure. staying home because of that. Mm-hmm. But coming out of the pandemic, um, we are still in a recovery mode. People mm-hmm. are still, but we're seeing over the last couple of years now that, you know, we've gotten past quote unquote the thick of it, mm-hmm. uh, that people are wanting to come back out. And we're seeing that at the YMCA as well. And more and more people are, are coming back and, and enjoying activities like they did pre-COVID. Sure. Rand, while Jeff and the Y uh, almost always see their participants in person, mm-hmm. doctors are often seeing participants right. virtually now. Uh, how much has the virtual treatment uh, progressed mm-hmm. over the over the time period here uh, as another method of broadening mm-hmm. healthcare access? Yeah, it, it was absolutely critical, and, and access was you know we share that you know access to our services is absolutely uh, important. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, folks need to see their doctor, and during the pandemic, we also experienced a, a, a close down, if you will, of surgical services, doctors' offices. Things were closing down, uh, but patients still needed access to their doctor. So access is uh, again one of our important um, uh, goals: is to improve access. And you know, when I look at the pandemic, there are things that changed. Uh, some are temporary, and some are permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to the pandemic, it was not. I'll say it was very unusual for a patient to say, I'd rather see my physician over my computer or on my portable device or my phone. 
it just wasn't socially acceptable to see your doctor in that way or even to feel that you were getting adequate health care that way. So the pandemic, you know, in early 2020 or early 20 uh, becomes, you know, large, widespread, coast to coast, things shut down. You know, now instead of uh, being able to go in and see my physician, I have to see them on my portable device. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden now, rapid adoption cycle, right? We go from maybe 5% of our patients using that technology mm -hmm. to 65% of our mm -hmm. patients seeing their doctor that way mm -hmm. because they still needed access to care. Mm -hmm. uh, the downriver communities, um, I don't think it's a secret, it's an aging population in some areas. Mm -hmm. And they have, uh, there's chronic illness, there's uh, patients that need to be cared for and they need to be treated. Uh, so this became one of the only ways that you could see your doctor and continue your care. Mm -hmm. uh, so now after the pandemic, uh, we did, <coughs> excuse me, start to you know, revert to some of the previous patterns, but we're still seeing roughly 15% of our patients that, uh, through that telehealth type service. Mm -hmm. I think that's the future. I think that will continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, three adult children all in their 20s and 30s, and I don't think they want to necessarily access healthcare the way I did, mm -hmm. uh, and my generation did. I think they're gonna want options, and so uh, the future is going to be more virtual interactions with your provider, maybe through your phone or through, your, uh, through another electronic device, and I think that will become a very acceptable way to get high-quality healthcare mm -hmm. versus uh, going in and necessarily having that face-to-face -face encounter with your physician. So it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because um, we are you know, struggling uh, across the country right now with shortages in all key uh, medical specialties, including physicians. Mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic accelerated uh, retirements in a lot of our medical specialties. Uh, nurses and doctors who were within a few years decided you know, maybe they would retire now. Uh, it changed the perspective around uh, healthcare in some good ways and some maybe some uh, ways that are a challenge. So the future will be one where we're trying to continue to stretch a fairly limited resource, mm -hmm. but treat an aging population and a population that's still growing in its need for healthcare. Mm -hmm. So it's another tool and it's another uh, uh, technique for us to deliver healthcare. It won't necessarily work for everyone, mm -hmm. but for I think a lot of folks would be a very good option for them. Is that issue our most pressing healthcare challenge right now? Uh, the labor yeah. shortages and yeah. things. It is uh, because you know prior to the pandemic, I don't know I don't know that everyone remembers this, but there was a uh, evolving nursing shortage prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that didn't get better during COVID. It actually got a little bit worse. Uh, we're not graduating enough nurses. Um, I, I face this issue not just in Michigan, but you know uh, places I've been other than Michigan. Uh, we're just not graduating enough nurses to meet the demand. There's not enough schools. There's not enough programs. There's not enough clinical sites of care. There's not enough instructors. So we have to get very creative in how we're training the next generation of uh, healthcare workers, number one. Number two, we have to find other ways to deliver care to patients uh, that will meet their needs uh, because they still need to have their healthcare needs met. Uh, you've probably heard a lot you know, lately about artificial intelligence and what's the future of that. Uh, I think there's a place for that in medicine to help uh, extend and uh, you know, broaden the reach of our medical staff and our physicians mm -hmm. uh, because there is a physician shortage as well across the country. Mm -hmm. So these will be, these shortages will be with us for the foreseeable future, but patients still need care. Patients still go to the emergency room. They have babies, uh, mm -hmm. they have surgery. Mm -hmm. You know, they have all those things that uh, will continue. And we just have to find ways 
to be uh, more creative in our reach and make sure that we deliver quality care to those patients. Jeff, the old saying goes that prevention is better than the cure sometime, okay? Uh, what sort of member programs are, are really favorites when it comes to the, to the YMCA and those, and those kind of choices when it comes to uh, preventative care, keeping people active, that type of thing? Sure, I'll, I'll circle back to something Rand mm -hmm. just touched mm -hmm. on, um, the aging population downriver. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Throughout the pandemic, it was an interesting uh, fact that uh, we now have 47% of our current membership base is senior-based. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of our uh, biggest groups of members, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of the programs associated with seniors when it comes to water exercise, when it comes to uh, chair exercise, things that they can do that um, doesn't necessarily require a lot of, you know, mobility, you know, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing that definitely at the Y as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're also seeing some of the staff shortages, um, like, like Rand touched on, um, mm -hmm. national lifeguard shortage. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. finding enough guards to, to guard the pool. And, you know, we, we're still working towards getting back to our full operational hours pre-COVID mm -hmm. uh, for that very reason, from a staffing standpoint. Yeah. Um, so we, we are seeing that. And in terms of programs at the Y, mm -hmm. um, we, we really like to bring in partners as well. Mm -hmm. So um, we're gonna do all the programs at the Y that we normally do and that we're really good at. Swim lessons, youth mm -hmm. sports, uh, exercise, mm -hmm. childcare, you name it. You know, we're, we're, we're gonna do that still. Mm -hmm. uh, but for us, how can we expand our reach and how can we bring partners into the Y from mm -hmm. maybe an informational standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, we have worked with certain hospitals mm -hmm. as well, uh, Henry Ford being one of them, mm -hmm. where we would have people come in and educate our mm -hmm. members uh, mm -hmm. because the members are there, it's a captive audience. They're people that do want to be healthy, they wanna be active, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't necessarily have all the information. So that's why they're coming to see us. So mm -hmm. can we bring in a physician to talk about nutrition? Can we bring in a physician to talk about you know, ways that they can stay healthy? And mm -hmm. so continuing to look for opportunities mm -hmm. such as that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's why we're so excited to, to really reach out to the different municipalities and find mm -hmm. out where those you know, challenges may be in, in their communities and how we can be an uh, you know, organization that can help solve that. Has the Y always reached out to the medical community and tried to be a partner with them or has has this aging population really expedited a lot of that? Uh, we were doing that pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. and, and I think mm -hmm. uh, I can only speak for the Downriver Y, but I know a mm -hmm. lot of other Ys in Metro Detroit also have relationships mm -hmm. uh, with you know healthcare organizations mm -hmm. because the two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. uh, for us specifically at Downriver, we, we've had you know um, a clinic right within our YMCA, a rehabilitation mm -hmm. clinic. Mm -hmm. um, no longer the case now, but you know that that was a natural fit mm -hmm. uh, that we had at the time. So you know, reaching out to the the medical community is huge. We have a lot of people that. Come come to us all the time and say, my doctor said I need to be more active or mm -hmm. my doctor suggested mm -hmm. I come and take your water exercise class. Mm -hmm. uh, so th there always has been that relationship and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that, you know, that that's not anything that's gonna change anytime soon, at least on our end. Are you, uh, Rand, are you, when, it, when it comes, as we head toward the wire on this episode, uh, let's return to the pandemic for, mm -hmm. for a minute. Uh, how are systems like Henry Ford Health and other health institutions put, positioning for that next national and worldwide mm -hmm. crisis. Yeah. Are, there, are there specific steps that you're going through on sure. a regular basis? Yeah, one, one thing I just want to pick up on something mm -hmm. uh, that Jeff mm -hmm. said is that, you know, healthcare isn't just the healthcare that's delivered within the four walls of the hospital mm -hmm. or the emergency room or the mm -hmm. operating rooms or even the primary care practices. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is delivered there, but it's also, you know, living healthy and mm -hmm. being healthy in your community and that's really where the YMCA, you know, mm -hmm. is really a valuable partner for us mm -hmm. because patients do want to know, how can I uh, eat healthier? Mm -hmm. How can I exercise more? Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, how can I access services? I know that uh, the YMCA used to, and I'm sure you still do offer a lot of educational classes as well. Mm -hmm. And so our patients do look for those services in the community so they can follow, you know, the plan that's been laid out by their physician. Mm -hmm. um, so to answer your, uh, the, the question that you just posed, um, let's just hope, uh, they say the pandemic is once in a hundred years, let's just hope that that's accurate. Mm -hmm. So, but I think we've learned a lot uh, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, first thing I, I would say, you know, uh, the very first lesson we learned was the value of communication. Mm -hmm. If we think back, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 2019, early 2020, information was really difficult to get, mm -hmm. you know, on COVID. What was it? How did it transmit? You know, was it aerosol? Was it touch? Was it, you know, what was it? Uh, there was information coming out that you know, sometimes conflicted previous information mm -hmm. uh, that made a lot of our uh, community members anxious because they didn't you know, know what to believe, information changed frequently. So I think the value of, you know, having good, clear, consistent communication early on is mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. I think we also learned a very important lesson about how fragile our supply chain was in healthcare. Yes. Uh, we had come, uh, like most of us, you know, that use Amazon or other services, mm -hmm. you know, we want it now, we want it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, healthcare had, you know, really followed that just-in-time inventory model as well we really counted on those deliveries coming in every day. So when the supply chain became disrupted, uh, we started having critical shortages of supplies. Masks were in short supply, mm -hmm. hand sanitizer, you know, uh, vaccines, everything was in short supply. So we've got to you know, reinvest and bolster our supply chain, which the Henry Ford Health System is doing, mm -hmm. so that we can ride out disruptions in the supply chain if those were to occur again. Um, I think we really learned, as I said earlier, the value of our health uh, organization, not just WindUp, but the value of being a part of a larger system mm -hmm. that can leverage their strengths across uh, a large geographic area, which mm -hmm. we found here uh, when it came time to distribute the vaccine, and you've got to vaccinate hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. You really need a very large system to do that, and everybody focused on that single task. Mm -hmm. So I would think that, you know, those are some of the lessons we've learned I think overall our preparedness plan was pretty solid because we prepare for things like this all year long. We mm -hmm. drill, we do all kinds of things to make sure that we're ready, but we didn't necessarily uh, count on the disruptions that were going to occur that would kind of mm -hmm. get in the way of even the best planning. Mm -hmm. The good news is now we're much more prepared should we, you know, should we you know, heaven forbid, ever enter into another pandemic um, like we just experienced, uh, we'd be far more prepared for that and I think we would uh, be able to respond far more quickly. It's interesting you brought up the communications component and that was fascinating mm -hmm. when you didn't have to live it, I think, when you could look right. back on it. Yep. The, the changes in what was being said, okay, mm -hmm. something comes out and well, we're gonna do it this way, and two weeks later, well, we decided we're not gonna do it that way, we're changing. Mm -hmm. And it, it seemed like, it seemed like Americans had, gave the, the, the medical community a lot less rope when it came to changing mm -hmm. on the run. Uh, I don't know whether that's, that's really fair. Yeah. In fact, I don't think it's fair at all, uh, right. because like you said, yeah. things do change, and they change quickly. Right. With the, especially during a pandemic like that. Yeah, I think, you know, we have to think too a little bit about the environment we were in at that time. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there was a little politicizing, you know, that was sure. going on and some things yeah. that were out of mm -hmm. our control. Uh, there was federal communication, there was statewide communication. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those conflicted. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the health system was put in the middle of trying to explain, you know, to the public what was happening. Um, you know, just being in health care, I think our commitment was we're going to tell you everything we know when we know it, mm -hmm. but understanding that it might change even within the same day, right. because we were really learning. I think if you talk to our medical staff, uh, particular, uh, particularly our epidemiologists, they would tell you we're still studying viruses from 70 to 100 years ago, trying to understand them. Mm -hmm. This virus is brand new, mm -hmm. and we knew very, very little about it. Mm -hmm. So information was going to be uh, sometimes not clear, sometimes not inconsistent, but we were all trying to do the same thing, rapidly respond and make sure that we can ensure the safety of the public. Mm -hmm. And so if we look back, I think historians will study this time period for decades to come oh, yeah. uh, to understand what went well and where were the challenges. Mm -hmm. But we've really worked hard to incorporate all the lessons learned into our emergency preparedness plan. Mm -hmm. And now we drill on a regular basis to that plan. So we are far more prepared than we were uh, before. But let's just hope uh, we don't have to use that plan. I agree with you, hundred <laughs> percent. Jeff, anything you want to add? As no, we, I'll. I'll uh, I, I had a, a minor outpatient procedure at the height of uh, of COVID, okay. and uh, at Henry Ford Wyandotte. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I just want to. The team over there did a fantastic job. So you know, mm -hmm. obviously, if as Rand was mentioning, if if something were to happen again, you know, mm -hmm. the, these guys are on top of their ball game, and you know, we can't thank our health professionals enough downriver. Um, all of them, they did a fantastic mm -hmm. job throughout the mm -hmm. the pandemic, and uh, the, the YMCA. We we, we like to feel we play a small part in that maybe mm -hmm. a bigger part uh, who knows <laughs> uh, we got members that come and use mm -hmm. our place every single day and mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. not just uh and we talk health in terms of you know obviously being healthy in the body and things but mm -hmm. at the y you know we're, we're spirit mind and body so mm -hmm. we see a lot of people even coming out post pandemic mm -hmm. that were you know cooped up for so long they're just yearning for socialization sure. and the socialization piece is, is another part of being healthy you know mm -hmm. and, and having those positive relationships mm -hmm. and being able mm -hmm. to interact with people once again um, so just feel fortunate to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, feel fortunate to be a part of, you know, making Downriver a better place, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and doing our little part in, in hand in hand with Rand and the health professionals. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to la add last minute here, Rand? Yeah, I would just say that uh, although it's been a challenging time, you know, not only for healthcare but for really the entire country, mm -hmm. there's never been a better time to be uh, looking at healthcare careers. Mm -hmm. um, it's exciting, you know. There's growth, uh, the organization, the system across the country, it's under transformation. So it's an exciting time to be in healthcare. It's an exciting time to be a doctor or a nurse or a respiratory therapist or mm -hmm. you know, work in the cardiology department. Mm -hmm. There's lots of technology and there's lots of developments that are happening right now. And it's a great time to be in healthcare. The incentives have never been stronger you know, from mm -hmm. a financial perspective mm -hmm. um, to be in healthcare. Um, I've been in healthcare almost 40 years now um, it's, you know, we used to say it's a calling, it's a passion, it comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And if you're the type of person that really likes to give back and particularly to serve people who are um, vulnerable and nobody's more vulnerable when they're sick um, and you have a giving heart, it's a great uh, career and I've enjoyed it for almost 40 years. And I would encourage anyone who's interested to please look at healthcare as a career choice. Fantastic. A great way to sum up this discussion. Gentlemen, great discussion. Uh, we wish you luck and future successes, both at the Downriver YMCA and Henry Ford Wyandotte Hospital. For Jeff McIntyre, Rand O'Leary, I'm Carl Zymack. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Destination Downriver. We'll see you next in July. Thank you again to our sponsors, Martinson Family of Funeral Homes and Allegra Marketing.
with a special thanks to our production partners here at the new Taylor Media Center. Thanks for listening and watching. Please visit our website, destinationdownriver.com or our Facebook page and be sure to join us for next month's podcast. 